Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of the Law of the Gamble podcast. Once again, I am Lucas Hand here filling in for Robert and Shap with a bonus midweek trade deadline preview episode. I'm joined once again by my good friend, Mike Jaglin. Mike, how are you doing? A Jaguar. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. We're, we're, we're one week away, you know? Um, one week away. Uh, and it's going to be a busy week. It's going to be a busy, busy week. It always is before the trade deadline. And especially now that the NBA has moved up this deadline to being right after the Super Bowl. And, you know, the, the, these front office guys, the same thing happens in the 4th of July during the offseason. People want to go to Super Bowl parties. And so calls mm-hmm. don't get made on Sunday afternoon. And that just even further compresses that, like, Monday through Thursday timeline of a lot of stuff happening. Um, the thing I love too about this trade deadline for the Clippers is that, you know, you've been playing um, a lot of these games, especially without Paul George and uh, recently without Bev. So you're going to be able to possibly add another piece or a rotation piece before the all-star break. Mm-hmm. So you'll have that entire post all-star break to to get things kind of you know it, it headed in the direction that you need and throughout all of these injuries and load management, I feel confident saying that come All Star break this team will have a grip on that two seed. I mean it might be a game or two, but I think that's where we're headed. And knowing that you can add someone else that will be an upgrade, and I think that's what we're we're trying to hit at Lucas is an upgrade and giving yeah. this Clippers team another piece that you feel comfortable in the rotation in the playoffs. If it's an eight or nine man rotation and that can make a difference. So, I mean, uh, to further ado, should we, should we jump into the names that I think you've hit on all of your columns? I think Clipper nation has done 50,000 trade machines. <laughs> um, Let's let's go down the list. Let's start at realistic clip targets. Let's do that, right? Okay. All right, Mike. Who's who's your who's your favorite realistic guy? It's Marcus Morris. Marcus Morris. Um, All right. I yeah. get, Marcus Morris is my number one realistic guy, just from the um, standpoint that he is an upgrade offensively over Harkless. Yes, he is probably more than a four than a three, but he plays tough defense. He's he's playoff tested. Um, he's a guy that I think in the second unit too, he can really pick up a lot of that slack. And, and, and you know, for any load management games or PG injury is to linger, you feel more than comfortable with Mar- uh, Marcus Morris heading forward. Wouldn't, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I, I think, I guess I would say my reservations about Marcus Morris maybe have less to do with him and more to do with what you're not getting if you get him mm-hmm. right because and I, I totally understand we talk about the need at center is more severe but there's not as realistic of targets for what the Clippers need in that slot and what you get from Marcus Morris is a guy who's shooting 44 percent from three on a high volume he's averaging 19 points he is he fits right in at the power forward position as the upgrade that the Clippers need but what I feel concerned about I guess with Morris is you talk about needing a guy for the playoff rotation and Morris is absolutely a playoff rotation guy for the Clippers but he's not someone who you're super comfortable with sliding over into that small ball five slot. And I guess I, I, when push comes to shove, you're going to want Kawhi Leonard playing at the four, right? So you bring Morris in as the power forward and he's the guy who's sort of, he plays some, he plays a lot of power forward minutes, 
Kawhi slides over to power forward in small ball lineups and, and it works, but it doesn't make quite the same impact, I think, as getting someone who's actually going to be a part of that closing lineup. And I don't know if Morris is that guy for the Clippers. I think they'll still probably go with Beverly, either Shamit or Lou Williams, maybe offense, defense subs there, and then George and Leonard at the two forward slots. And Lucas, you, you bring up a great point because I, I feel like the, the Clippers' two biggest needs at this deadline are that center or probably backup point guard slot. The, you know, if we have a backup point guard, that you got a great theory that Jerome started that game last week because they're trying to figure out what, what would happen if we did bring in more of a facilitator uh, a la uh, DJ Augustin. Um, well, I also think, those I, think guys, I think the concern for the Clippers who, at point guard right now, sorry to cut you, I think the concern for the Clippers at yeah. point guard right now is that I think they, when they're healthy, they feel fine. Right. Like yeah. Pat Beverly is the guy. I don't think there's a lot of questions about his capability. I know stuff has been floated, but like, I think that, that they have faith in Pat Beverly to be the guy. And I think that they're fine with Lou Williams running the offense on the second unit while Pat sits, especially because that's not going to be very many minutes in the playoffs anyway. I think what's concerning is if Pat Beverly rolls an ankle, if Pat Beverly picks up two fouls early in the first quarter, then what do you do? And we've seen the Clippers in the last three weeks kind of rotate Right, they they started Derek Walton Jr. for a game when Pat was out. Uh, do you remember what game that was? It was the game that we got blown out by the Memphis Grizzlies. Yep. Right, not a great time. They started Terrence Mann this last week, and Mann was less than invisible on the court. You know, he did he did nothing. They started Jerome Robinson. Team struggled immediately out of the gate offensively, and so I think they're in a position where they feel like I I, I honestly think the Clippers' best emergency point guard is play Landry Shaman at point guard and let Kawhi Leonard bring it up, which is what they did um, in that game against Miami where they were able to be successful. But yeah, I, I think that maybe less looking for a rotation guy at point guard, because if they're healthy, I don't think a guy like DJ Augustine is necessarily going to play much, but I think they need an emergency point guard. It, and and I, I, I agree with you on that. And also you uh, talking about the Landy Shamit factor, his resurgence makes the offense that much better Mm -hmm. in regards to that point guard having to be a table setter. His motion by itself already is, is another distraction to a defense. So having him playing, even if he's not hitting shots, like he has been, but moving like he has been, um, will make things easier for everyone on the court. Therefore you won't need that, backup point guard to, to play those solid minutes as much. But I, I agree. I, I think that, you know, when I'm thinking point guard, and let's just get through point guards before I keep on going down my realistic list, it would be a DJ Augustin. But does he make sense, like you said, because he's not going to get that time? Probably not. Probably at that price tag. I think he's, I think he's around – uh, or I think he's around Mo Harkless's rate. No, he's, um, he's he's a little bit less, but he's right at that seven million yeah. range, similar to a guy like Langston Galloway, who I'm sure you're probably about to bring up. Um, that as guys that yeah, you know they make they make enough that you have to kind of give something back to get them, but you're not. They're guys that if they were at three or four million, and you could just swap Jerome and a second round pick for them, boom, done. But at seven, you start thinking, man, we, now we're having to piece some stuff together. And that means we're taking away potential salary pieces that could be added to Harkless to kind of facilitate maybe that Marcus Morris trade. And it starts getting a little bit more messy. 
and that's why I think the buyout market's probably where they're going to end up. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I, I mentioned on the last cast, I really think Delhi's probably a guy, and that, and that, and that's fine. A guy like Delhi would be fine for this team. Um, you know, Ish Smith would be another guy. We're, we're not looking for world beaters here. We're just looking for guys that, you know, will will play that backup role. You can plug and play here and there for ten or twenty minutes, and that, and that, you know. Guys like Delhi and and Ish Smith, even though they're not sexy and people don't necessarily love them, they are capable of doing something. Huh. So I, I mean, I will, I will I will say, Mike, though, that right, we talk about like DJ Artistine and Ish Smith and Langston Galloway, and none of these guys are perfect players or even necessarily great players. No. But but you know what you're getting. But I mean, Matthew Delvadova is shooting 16 percent from three this year. Like this is not. <laughs> I don't know that he's. I, I think once you get down to I'm once saying, you get down I'm to Del Vadova, I'm saying just play Landry Shamit there and let Kawhi bring it up. But that also has goes back to our point of the market for for point guards and centers is pretty grim. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's that's the problem. And you know, you and I uh, in our in our in our clip chat boys, I feel like we have a lot of these conversations and we have a lot of these kind of trade machine pipe dreams. But then we look at them and we're like. I don't think that this team will do this or, or, you know, what you and I were talking about, like, I don't like that person or, you know, you know, I I don't know if this person's a true point guard. And then uh, we come to a conclusion that, Oh, there really aren't many options out there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's just weird because it's like, if there was a, if there was a Marcus Morris point guard or Marcus Morris, like someone, Marcus Morris's caliber of player, on his contract, in his situation with the Knicks where he's likely to be traded, but he played center instead of power forward, it would be amazing for the Clippers, right? Yeah, um, exactly. But, the, but that's just not what the landscape is right now. Transition into realistic. Great segue, by the way. Um, Andre Iguodala. He could be that ball, hander, ball handling facilitator. Wouldn't you agree? I think, I think in the situation where a guy like Beverly is hurt or is in foul trouble, Iguodala helps. But I got to tell you, man, the more we get in, into this, the more I'm worried about a guy who like, literally has not been on his team for the entire year. Like, like Iggy's in L.A. doing studio shows. Yep. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think he – I just don't know. I don't know, you know a guy with, with his injury history – Coming in at 36, I guess, you know, the Clippers have better intel than we do on, on the extent to which he's been training this year. But he's kind of been talking about this like it's a year off, right? Um, and I'm, I'm hesitant. I'm hesitant to say that he's the guy who you want to use the Harkless contract on in a trade. Um, I'm hesitant to say that using the Harkless contract for a point guard is what you want to go for anyway. I just don't know. I think... I think if you really get to the deadline and let's say Morris falls through and a lot of these other deals fall through and you look at it and you say, all right, well, we can go get Iggy for Harkless. Without giving a pick. That's Without better. a pick. Yeah. Well, the, you're going to have to at least give a second round pick. You're not going to get That's him what I mean, but I'm saying the no first round pick though. I'm not giving up a first round pick for Andre Iguodala. Yeah. If, if you get to the, if you get to 2.59 PM Eastern time next Thursday and there's just no trade is materialized. Then maybe you start thinking, okay, well, let's just flip 
Harkless for Iggy. And, you know, I think that's better than standing pat with Harkless. But I also think that that should be an extreme fallback option for the Clippers. And I think that Iggy is going to get moved at this deadline. So I, I don't really see that lining up between these two teams because I think the Clippers need to have their set sight higher than Iguodala. And I think the Grizzlies are going to move him. It's not going to be a, okay, we'll take this Clippers deal or nothing's out there. Like, like that de- there's going to be a deal done for Andre Iguodala at some point. Yeah. The and, and, and the interesting thing is Willie Colley-Stein going to the Mavericks, which I, I, I kind of cringed at because I, I did like – you know, in one of my worst case scenario, uh, mm-hmm. you know, clip fallbacks, getting Kali Stein. Um, but them not giving up that warrior pick is basically a first round pick now. So now if the, if the Mavericks want to, they can basically unload that Courtney Lee deal, right? And uh, the second round pick for Iggy? Yeah. If yeah, but want I mean, to. I, I, I also think we may have talked about this last week. You look at Dallas, it's got 20 year old Luca. 24-year-old Chris Stapps, both locked up long-term. They are not even at the start of their window yet. It does not make sense to me for them to send a draft asset for a 36-year-old, especially because if the Clippers trade for Andre Iguodala, he probably resigns here next summer because the Clippers are a Mm -hmm. contender. If Dallas trades for Andre Iguodala, he probably leaves to go ring chase over the summer, don't you think? Like, I don't think he stays – he goes back to Golden State. You know what I mean? Like, why not? Steph is going to be back. Clay's going to be back. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't think that giving up that, the really high-valued Golden State second-round pick that's going to be like either pick 31 or 32, I don't think that makes sense for Dallas. But maybe they do. Well, I, I, don't, I don't think I, it makes sense, but I also feel like Dallas hasn't been in the playoffs for like probably four, four or five years. And Cuban is Cuban. Um, yeah, that they might think that, that that's my theory. Is Don? I, I always feel like Donnie Nelson and Cuban struck out for all these years after being successful, and now they have a good young nucleus. They're playing. I I, I do think that this team that, that team is is has been overachieving. Their role players have been playing phenomenal this year. Um, but this isn't this isn't Mav, uh, you know, Maverick talk. But um, I agree with you, but I could just see it happening. Yeah, I, no, see, it, I, 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 I could, see it being a move. The, Dallas is probably going to end up being like the five or the six, and I could see them – I could see Cuban having the kind of mindset like it's worth giving up this draft pick to give us better odds at winning a playoff series this year. Like if yeah. they're going to if they're yeah. going to be playing against Utah, like, I, can, I can see that. All right, let's, let's get back to – who else do you have okay. on your well, realistic okay, so, list? Um, Marvin Williams. Now we, you brought him up last week. I mm-hmm. love, uh, the idea. He's kind of, I, I think he kind of falls into that, um, last second type of deal too. Yeah. Iggy, and and unlike, unlike Iggy, who I think will be gone, Marvin Williams is a guy who will be there. Like may, not guaranteed, but he's a guy that's not being talked about. That is not as highly sought after by contenders. He will probably be there at two fifty nine PM. And the Hornets, I think, would jump at the chance to get maybe even Harkless straight up for him, honestly. And the Clippers might even get a second-round pick back in that deal. Um, but I think well, Marvin, I, I, Marvin's I a guy who the, could I help. I brought up the, the Malik Monk factor. Uh, I know New York is one of the teams that's kind of uh, been looking into that because Charlotte does have 
um, ish, you, you know, they, they paid Rozier. You have Graham playing phenomenal. So they're going to yeah. have to pay him eventually. So where does that leave Monk? Leaves Monk the odd man out. So yeah, I wonder, is, is, is Monk, like, is Monk good enough for that to be a concern, though? Like, is, I, I, I guess I'm not super high on Malik Monk. Like, I'm not sure that he's a starter. And so for them... I don't think he's a starter, but I think he's a rotation piece, especially off the bench to shoot. Yeah, but I mean, I, I, mean, I, 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 think, I, I yeah. think they could probably re-sign him to be the third guard, right? I don't see why that would... Yeah. You know, you've yeah, got yeah, Graham yeah. and Rozier starting. You re-sign Monk to be the third guard. Similar to the role he's playing this year, right? 20 minutes a game off the bench with Graham and Correct. Yeah, back end, Graham and Rozier. I, I could see mm-hmm. why Malik Monk, because right of his draft position and all that, might want a bigger role than that. But I don't know where he's getting it in the NBA until he starts playing a little bit better. Um, getting back to Marvin Williams, I do love that idea. I do think that the that's a that's a last minute deal. Um, I also think it's a deal that could be a possible buyout target. I agree. Yeah. Um, there's, there's a there's a couple guys on this list. I didn't put him on this list, but Taj Gibson's another possible buyout target. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but we're, he's not on our list, but that's. Uh, Marvin's one of those kind of could go both ways. Um, next on the list is uh, Realistics. We, we hit the Augustin, so we, we're good with that. Um, Dwayne Deadman. I, I'm mm-hmm. not a Deadman guy. Not for that money. I'm, I'm not. I'm not signing up for that. Yeah, I, I don't think he. I don't think he moves the needle at all. I think. I, 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 I mean, well, what do you think? I, yeah, I'm not. I'm not super high on Deadman either. I think he. I mean, I, I think he's. Let's say he, he has, you know, this Sacramento thing is a bit of an anomaly. He comes back. But ultimately, I'm not sure that he actually gives you a better player than Zubats or Harrell. I think he, let's, maybe if you're in a situation where you lose, you know, like let's, if Trez leaves in free agency and the Clippers need a backup, Deadman is a guy who can come in and, and play. And I think he'll be fine. I don't think he'll be as bad as he's been in Sacramento. But he's not a guy that you're thinking, oh, this solves the Clippers' problem where they need a center who's capable of closing games. And that contract that you, that you say, it's, an, it's not a good contract by any means, uh, $13 million a year this year and each of the next two. But I also think the Clippers are in a position where they have some assets to go make a deal, but they don't have like a full cupboard. Like, you know, basically the Paul George deal, the Clippers had any, everything that you could possibly want to go make a deal. You have a young stud rookie point guard you've got a fringe all-star player in Gallinari on an expiring deal you've got a bunch of draft picks to send including the draft picks um like the one that you just got in the Harkless trade and all of that so they were in a great position to go make a huge trade at that point now the Clippers have a couple assets to go make a medium level deal but one of the ways to that they could try to add talent is by taking on a bad contract right and so you know, I know we're not, we're not there yet, but this is where, like, we talked about Chris Paul before. We probably won't get into that today. This is where a guy like Al Horford could come in, where the Clippers, if Al Horford was on a one-year deal, the Clippers would not have the assets to go get a player of his caliber. It's only because he's on a four-year deal that it's feasible. I think Deadman is a guy who's in that conversation where, yeah, you and I both agree he doesn't change the team's ceiling, really, but also, again, Sacramento would probably give you a second-round pick to swap Harkless for Deadman. So you're not worried yeah, well, about giving up additional assets in that deal. But which is true. It's just, I, Dwayne Deadman just, he, he, 
doesn't do it for me. He doesn't do it. I, 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 <laughs> I, I, not to sound like a, 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 a spoiled Clipper fan because of the team we have this year, but I want guys that I know that are going to help put us over the top. Or if we're going to take on a contract, it better be a guy that's some kind of like, you know, low risk, high reward. You know what I mean? Like that has like given that a team's kind of given up that we have. Um, okay, I I have him. You just know, you just hit on him, Al Horford. Um, I he's on the next tier of not too far out of Clipper reach. Um, we don't know exactly. If Philly wants to get rid of him, we have heard rumblings that they want Gallo. So if yeah. they want Gallo, they would have to ship Al out somewhere, you would think. I I, I agree with you. I, this would make this Clipper team – I think they win the championship this year, hands down. Not to sound, uh, not to sound cocky, but I, I, I think that is – he's the answer. Am I wrong? I know I I'm with you 100%. You know that I have been on the Al Horford train since last summer. And I think, yeah, I mean, I think you're right. Nothing is guaranteed, right? There's no, there's no, even if the Clippers could make us like a even bigger than Horford level acquisition at this deadline, there's no guarantee that you're going to win a championship. You don't know what's Mm -hmm. from even injuries aside, you don't know what's going to happen in the seven-game series against the Lakers, against Philadelphia, against Milwaukee, right? But I do think that getting a guy like Al Horford puts the Clippers – like right now the Clippers are maybe – I think the Clippers are sort of considered the favorites, but still you would take the field over them, right? Like that's kind of how the betting the, the betting books I, have I, been. Yeah, yeah. I, I, think, I, think, I, think right, I think right now they'd probably be three. You know, just just uh, you know, Milwaukee being off of that, and then the Lakers, just the Laker machine in general. I think um, once, I think if you get Horford, you start pretty much becoming the clear cut favorites to win the title this year. And I, I mean, you know, I I had a comment on the blog that said, we you know, we the team is going to have a future too. We can't go all in on the Paul George Kawhi Leonard core. And I kind of thought to myself, I was like, listen, I. I just don't think the front office agrees with that point of view. Like I, and I, you have a situation where you've got Kawhi Leonard and Paul George on the roster and you've got them for two years and then they can leave. And with Kawhi's injury, who knows how long he's going to play, even if he stays right, you have a very limited window. And I just think you have a chance to go get a guy like Al Horford, who's in my opinion is going to make you the clear cut best team in the league favorites to win the title. I mean, I don't, you and I, watched right this um philadelphia versus lakers game last week and saw horford playing against the like lebron james anthony davis pick and roll and he's not by any means like an anthony davis stopper but he gives you a level of trust in those defensive situations Uh that is nowhere to be found on the clippers roster right now the clippers may be good enough to win despite not having that but if they get that they will be i think at another level as a team and not to mention, you know, like, offensively, he's a better passer than Zibats and, and Harrell. He is – I'm not saying that we'll move both of them or one of them. Um, he's, he's a better outside shooter. Yeah. Um, he, he just makes – he's not sexy. He's just very good and reliable. You know, it's, 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 it's like it, – he's, like he's like a very dependable Toyota. It's not sexy. 
but you know he's got, he, has, he has miles on him. He's going to get you from point A to point B. He's not going to get you in many accidents. You know what I mean? He, you, you know what you're getting with this guy. And sure, the back end of the contract is bad. I think the last year, is last year a team option? I think the last uh, it's, year it's a partial a guarantee. It's a partial guarantee the last okay. year. You know what's funny, actually, is the last year becomes fully guaranteed if he wins a championship. Well, there you go. So well, I, and I think at that point we're not I'm complaining, right? <laughs> no, no. Um, and, 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 and like you and, I, you and I and Clipper fans, before PG, um, and we the, the, in the summer, you know, leading up to Kawhi, we all thought that it was probably could have been Horford mm-hmm. and, and uh, Kawhi. Yeah. And now, you know, you, you actually have the Sixers in a weird spot that they're, you know, they have a log jam and a lack of shooters. This might be the time. Um, this is, that, that is the upgrade if you're going to make a move. And, you know, getting back to if Trez is in the deal or not, I, listen, I don't want to lose Trez either, but we have to also come to grips, which I, don't, I think as fans we don't do enough of, is, you know, uh, realizing that he, he is a free agent at the end of the year. He is with Clutch. And also, like, we overvalue a lot of our – uh, if yes. you're getting uh, not to take away from ever anything Trez has did, done for our team or what he you know embodies, you know at getting Al Horford, you know what you're getting, you know. Um, yeah. I think it's, it's, it's I the think opposite it's, of what we were just talking about with Deadman, where uh-huh. you don't really know. Like, okay, let's say he bounces back to his form in Atlanta, that would be great, but he's still not great. He's you know he's a solid player that does some stuff, but also has some weaknesses. And we don't know how that kind of like he did play in the playoffs with San Antonio, but that was almost is a totally different style, totally different system. And he wasn't yeah, even he shooting. Three, he wasn't there, shooting threes too. at that point in his career when he was in yeah. um, San Antonio. So, but Horford is a guy like, you know what you are going to get out of him and you know that he's going to help you win night in and yep. night out. And the other thing about Horford is, one of the things we talk about with Marcus Morris is a guy that, you know, is he going to help the, um, is he, is he going to make this kind of sticky isolation offense problem the Clippers have even worse? I'm just going to tell you, tell you two numbers, which is for Marcus Morris, his usage rate is 24% and his assist rate, which is the number of um, baskets made by his teammates when he's on the floor what percentage of those baskets does he assist? So his usage rate is 24%. His assist rate is 7%. Al Horford's usage rate is 18% and his assist rate is 19%. So of all the shots hmm. that the other four guys on the floor make while Horford is playing, he assists on 19% of them. And that's actually down from when he was in Boston because we know Philly has some offensive spacing issues this year. Horford is a guy who moves the basketball. He helps your offense run smoothly I mean, as, as a big man, he's averaging four assists a game. And again, that's down from his time in Boston. So he's a guy who you can trust to not only make shots in the mid range and from the three point line and help space the floor for you offensively and play defense better than any of the Clippers current options, but he helps that offense move um, as another guy who makes smart reads. You can, you can play, you can run your offense out of Horford in the high post which is not something you can say about Zubats or Harold. Yeah, and he's another, guy too that, he's another guy, too, that masks that you know, backup point guard 
I mean, he's not, he's not a, you know, he's not a point forward or anything, but because of his passing ability and, and his IQ level, he, he, he will, like you said, make that extra pass, keep the ball moving, take the right shots, you know, um, yeah, he's, like, he's a guy, a he's not going to, he's not going to bring the ball up for you, of course, but he's a guy where no. if let's say we're in this kind of scenario that we talked about where Beverly rolls his ankle and the Clippers don't have an emergency point guard that they trust. And so they're playing like Shamit, Paul George, and Kawhi at the one, two, and three, and having those guys kind of bring it up by committee. Horford is a guy who, once you get down and settled into your offense, he will help yep. keep things moving in a way that like, which is crucial when you don't have a point guard on the floor that Trez Zubats is not much of a passer and Trez we know gets the ball and look straight at the rim and almost never passes, right? Horford's a guy who will help the offense move, which again is going to be even more important in the playoffs when the game is slower, when the defenses are mm-hmm. better, when the scouting is better. I, I just, I yep. think it's a no brainer. I, I, if you can go get him, I, I think you go get him. I, I, I agree. I think out of all the names on our list, and I think the, this is probably a less than 50% deal, but who knows? I mean, who knows what the front office can do? Who knows what, you know, Philly might want to get out of this contract. And they, and they know they need shooting. Yeah, so this I might think they be, know that the, this, they, Sim- this might be the right. Simmons, Horford, and Embiid don't work together. Those three guys just like, yeah. the, the, they, the floor does not work with those three guys all playing together. And then you add Simmons, who's a, a big guy too, even though he, he has the ball. And that's, a, that's the other thing. Horford doesn't get the ball, touch the ball as much because of the spacing issues. And because you have Simmons and Embiid. Yeah, and, and so, I think that, that, that's the answer to anyone who says, oh, well, Horford's having a bad year. Like, yeah, no, everyone no. on Philadelphia is having a bad year. Like, everyone yeah, on Philadelphia's yeah. shooting numbers are down this year because they don't have, like, their roster construction is bad, which is why. It is very bad. Which mm-hmm. is why I think that they might look for deals for a guy like Horford because they've been doing a little bit better recently. Like, it's ironic to say because Embiid has been out and of course he's, he's either their best or second best player with Ben Simmons. Right. Um, but the offense has looked a little bit better recently for Philadelphia because they've been playing like that. You know, you put in, even a guy like Raul Neto in the game, who's not at the same caliber as these other guys for the Sixers, but who will just hit open shots at a high clip and you take out a tall guy. And all of a sudden, the game, the game opens up a little bit. And I think they realize that they need to restructure their roster in such a way that you bring in a guy, maybe it's Gallinari who they've targeted, maybe it's somebody else, but the guy who's going to space the floor, who's going to play make on the perimeter and open up the game, and it's going to make everybody else a little bit better. All right, so I, you might have something else to say about Horford, um, and you can, but I, I think we should also probably move past a little bit because I know I've been a little – Horford obsessed in the last few days. Well, I, you also have these these Detroit guys that you're interested in. What what, well, first what do you time, think about that? For, well, I, I agree with you, but hashtag horny for Horford. Oh okay, my that's God. what I want to do. Horny for Horford. That's what we need. That was okay, um, if he gets if he gets traded. Yes, I love. See, you got to play the room. Um, okay, Detroit. Look, look, we we we've heard Detroit's a dumpster fire. Um, we know that yeah. there's Drummond, but we know he's too much and not worth it. Probably for us. I, um, Derek Rose. No, 
no, I don't like it. Um, which gets us to some interesting, again, I think this falls under our, you know, last minute deals, Langston Galloway and Markeith Morris. That could be a package that comes mm-hmm. to the Clippers. It's not sexy, but it's, it helps with depth. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you agree? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, these guys, I know Tony Snell is a guy who makes a little bit more money, but he's another guy. I think that these are the kinds of players. Um, and this is what I was talking about with Augustine earlier when I, when I mentioned Galloway, I'm glad we're coming kind of circling back to it where they help, they do help. But when guys start getting into Galloway's at 7 million, Augustine's at 7 million, Snell is at 11 million. You start thinking the Clippers just don't have the contracts to move that make, I I think, I think once you, when you move Harkless, you need a guy who's going to be able to be on the, on the floor as one of your like main eight guys in the playoffs. You know what I mean? Yep. And I think even a guy like Marvin Williams, you could say might fit in there in a way that Mm -hmm. I'm just not sure that these other guys will. And actually what's, what's interesting to me is that of those three guys, the guy who maybe is most interesting to me is Markeith Morris because he, you know, he plays power forward. So he's kind of slots in there and he's shooting the ball really well this year, 39.5% from three. So it's a great year for the Morris brothers. Um, and he's only at $3.2 million this season. So it's a lot easier to figure out what the trade would be for him without saying we're going to have to piece together two guys to go get a 7 million Galloway. or We're going to have to send out Harkless to go get the $11 million deal for Snell. Um, mm-hmm. The problem with Marquise Morris is I, I'm not sure that he's a guy who's in that eight man playoff rotation to be frank. Um, yeah. He he shoots the ball better than um, better than a Mo Harkless, but that's also like this is an outlier year for him for sure. So I don't know if that's a shot that you trust him to make in the playoffs at the same rate. Um, and I think overall as a player, I don't think he's as good as Mo Harkless, um, especially with what Mo brings in terms of defensive versatility. So I would almost think that um, Markeith might be a guy that you target in a follow up deal as you're trying to shore up your rotation, if the Clippers make a trade where they send out a couple of these, like, like they might send out Harkless and Patterson. And then maybe you say, okay, well, can we go flip? Like, um, can we flip maybe Jerome and a second to go get Markeith Morris as a guy who can come in and just be sort of a depth piece, a ninth or 10th man, play some regular season minutes and then be, I think what the problem with the Clippers with a lot of these deals that we're talking about is they end up in a situation where you've got like a really strong eight or nine man rotation. But as soon as someone rolls an ankle or picks up two fouls early in the first quarter, you're turning to someone in the like cluster of Derek Walton Jr., Jerome Robinson, Terrence Mann, Amir Coffey, Fiondu Cabangele, or, or Jerome Motley, or um, I'm sorry, Jonathan Motley. None of those six guys should should see the court in the playoffs, really. So yeah, and it's, that's where and, they need and, to go get a couple of guys that can provide depth as like guys maybe ten and eleven or guys nine and ten behind that strong eight eight man rotation. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because I think honestly, right now those guys are like Roddy McGruder, who already has the Clippers need an upgrade over McGruder, right? Um, anyway, and and maybe Patrick Patterson could be that guy if he doesn't end up being traded. But Mar- that's where I sort of see Marquis Flores fitting in is not as an upgrade over Harkless, but as a guy who yeah. you can go and say, all right, we're going to play a nine man rotation in the playoffs, and Marquis Morris is our tenth man. I, well, I can and that's that. one of the big, and I totally agree with you because. Uh, you and I have talked about this. Like, as good as a Clipper bench might be on paper, there's a lot of flaws. I mean, Magruder's underperformed. Jerome's underperformed. Um, You know, the outside of, like, Lou and Trez, and, I mean, Patterson's been there. Patterson might – he was their best free agent pickup. I mean, on the minimum. Where would we be without Patrick Patterson? Right I think now? I think I think Kawhi Leonard might have been the Clippers' best free agent pickup. Outside of Kawhi Leonard, I mean, out of like the, I'm talking about like the bench squad guys because the, when 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 we've seen when they play these games like the last the loss in Atlanta, um, I mean, I can go the handful of these games. It's the lack of consistency from the Rodney Magruders from the. Uh, Terrence Manns from the Jerome Robinsons that have killed this team. And mm-hmm. it, you, sure, you don't need that in the playoffs. But like you said, like you might need in one of the – say you're playing five or seven-game series with these teams, you're, you might need one of those role players in one game to get you 10 points or to play more valuable minutes. So You, you are uh, not going to get – you are not going to win the four straight playoff series that you need to win only relying on eight guys. Exactly. You are not going to Exactly. And I mean, we saw I even totally the, year, the year that the Clippers blew that 3-1 lead to Houston, and I'm sorry for even bringing it up, but remember, Austin Rivers started like the first two or three mm-hmm. games of that series because Chris Paul had a hamstring issue. But because the Clippers had a guy like Austin Rivers, who is by no means a world beater, although I'm, I you know, am a fan of Austin's, but he's not a world beater. He's not a starting caliber NBA point guard, but he's a guy that could slot in and you could survive with him and him playing there. And I think those six guys that I listed for the Clippers who are sort of the, like um, either the like prospects slash two way guys, those, those kind of, that kind of group. I don't think any of them are in a position where you feel like, Oh, we can survive with those guys playing in the playoffs. And that's where the Clippers. None of them are. And, and, and none of them are. And we, and, and we've seen it. The proof's been yeah. in the pudding. Yeah, I mean, I, we we would we we would be easily the number two seed, arguably probably like a game if behind the Lakers, if we had one or two of those types of guys. If Rodney Magruder had been, if Rodney Magruder was as good this year as he was last year for Miami, that I mean, I think that would make a lot of difference for the Clippers because they would be able to rely on him. In the you know, Doc Rivers wouldn't be closing games with Patrick Patterson at small forward because we need someone out there who can hit a shot. You know what I mean? Um, which yep. happened against Atlanta. We're, we're, we're coming. We, we've got another like five minutes or so. Yeah. Um, I want to I hit a couple more things. First off, I think you brought up a great point. And I think the underline, one of the underlining things as Clipper fans we have to look at as we get through, well, I'm going to talk about name, more names in a second, is is this piece going to make a difference in the rotation in the playoffs? And could this piece potentially be in the final at, at, at play at the end of the game. I think that's what we all have to look at, right? Is, is our two main criteria, yeah. and and then from that, from that, uh, from that, the, those two criteria, 
you got to be in one of those two. And then can you come in and play minutes, you know, via, a, you know, if you're a Marquise Morris or a buyout guy, you know, Tosh Gibson. Yeah. Those, um, are, those are kind of the three tiers of impact, right? Is it like, okay, yeah. is this guy a like closing lineup in the playoffs level guy? Is he Al a, Horford? Al Horford, right. Is I think is in there for oh. sure. Is he a, he's part of that eight or nine man playoff rotation kind of guy. Or is he a Morris Marvin Williams? Sure. Yeah. Or, or is yeah. he a he's gonna bring you depth and be a little bit better than the current third string guys for when someone rolls an ankle. And that's where you get Marquise Morris. That's where you get if the Clippers go make a trade with Golden State to go get a guy like Glenn Robinson the third, who's on a one year minimum deal, he's not gonna stay in Golden State next year. So you flip a second for him as a rental. He comes in and he's just basically he does what Roddy Magruder does for the Clippers. He's just not quite as bad as Roddy Magruder, right? Um Exactly. He doesn't play in the playoffs until you need someone who is six six and can hit a three point shot at the two or the three to play twelve minutes, and he's there and he does that better than Jerome Robinson can. Um, a few more names of the not too far out of reach. We talked about Robert Covington. Yeah. I don't know what happens with Covington. Um, I would. I think he ends up being I out do. of the Clippers' price range. That's my my I my feeling too. is because of that three year affordable deal, and I'll be quick because of that three year affordable deal in Minnesota, they don't have a need to trade him. They can trade him next no. deadline. They can trade him the deadline after. There, there's no urgency there. And so if they don't get a really good deal, and we think about how teams tend to do like an expiring in a first round pick for a better player, with the level that Covington is at, it, I think it either has to be a good first round pick, like better than this Clippers 2020 pick that's going to be pretty late, or it has to be like maybe two first round picks or a first round pick and one of those really valuable second rounders or something. I, I don't think the Clippers have the pieces there, but okay. Next name. Go on. Okay. Drummond. We talked about, we're both going to say pass on. Yeah. Pat hard pass um, on Drummond. The, an interesting name we didn't hit on last night, last week. And I don't think we're going to trade for him, but he is a buyout guy. But uh, from what I'm hearing, Boston would probably snag him in a second is Tristan Thompson. Um, he is a clutch client, but he would be perfect, I think, um, if we could get him as a buyout. I don't think you trade for him, but just I, I think it is a name to keep an eye on. Again, a, a lot of these names that Lucas and I are talking about are all names you're going to hear this week. We're just trying to basically identify what is realistic and what isn't, um, which gets me to the unrealistic. Uh, I'll start with the Toronto guys, Serge Ibaka. This is you. You were gung ho for I want to say for an entire weekend on figuring out a way to get Serge Ibaka, and I think the only way that you realistically um, thought about it is if he got shipped somewhere. And yeah, he we needs got to, him. It's, we it's, got him out it's of there. the same with Al Horford, right? Where with a, a team like Toronto or Philadelphia that's in a really strong position to contend for a championship this year, they're not going to take the Clippers' odds and ends. But if one of those teams feels like they want to go make an upgrade at the deadline and Gallinari could be a target for either of them. Then Ibaka, who's playing backup center for them and is on expiring. And expiring deal, though. Yeah. Expiring. Yeah. Yeah. He's expiring. He could, yeah. they could say, we're going to flip Ibaka for a guy who we think is going to have a bigger impact in our rotation in the playoffs. Same thing with Philadelphia. They could say, we're going to flip Horford for a guy who we think is going to kind of free up our offense and have a bigger impact in the playoffs. Um, let me ask you this deals whatever the trade is aside who do you think makes the Clippers better this year if they get Ibaka or Horford Horford 
Interesting. I, 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 I think Ibaka. I mean, I think I, I just I like I know what I'm getting with Al. Not not that not that I know, don't know what I'm getting with Serge. I just I feel that there's a certain level of comfort, and sir, I love Serge. Don't get me wrong, and I th- I think with this team he fits in really well. They both do, but I I think that Al's IQ and consistency is a little more than Abacus, if that makes sense. Um, he's been the guy. Al's had to be one of the you know top one or two guys on his team, you know, for five five-plus years. Yeah, um, I mean, Al Horford's a five-time always, all-star, right? Like, there's a yeah, there's a yeah, pedigree there yeah, that it, even Serge with his – Serge has also had a very yeah. accomplished career, but it's a little different. It's a little different, and it's not – you know what you're getting with Al. With, with Serge, you're going to have kind of that in-between, like, playing minutes, and then, oh, he just erupted for 15 points and 10 boards. Oh, he made a big defensive play. With Horford, he's just going to be like the silent assassin that you know what you're going to get. He's going to calm the storm. Serge is an upgrade, and I would take him in a heartbeat. I, I, I just feel, I just feel that, that Al Horford, you, you, know, you know exactly what you're getting. And I, I think with, with Doc Rivers, too, that's a Doc Rivers type of guy. You know, yeah, he, would, yeah. he, would, he would feel happy playing a 33-year-old Al Horford out there for – 35 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, well. He would. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, he is absolutely very much a Doc guy. He's one of those guys that Doc would trust, but also he wouldn't hurt the team. You know, he's totally the opposite yeah. of like the yeah. Paul Pierce situation. All right, we are, we are at our time. Mike, do you have any final thoughts for this episode before we let go? No, I, I, I think it's just important, Clipper Nation, again, we, we have those three different tiers. Um, and I don't, I, I, I agree. We'll, we'll talk one more time. Um, before the deadline, but um, they're going to make a move. I just feel that they're yeah. going to make a move. Yeah, I would be really surprised um, if they don't make a trade. I, yeah. I think that Har- Harkless is going to move. I would. I think it's it, almost. I would be. I would be surprised if Harkless is still on the team. I, I I totally agree. And Clipper fans, that's why I think we we dove into all these different scenarios with these guys because you have to look at how these guys fit. Again, you're fans. You're not freaking front office uh, people. So just because his name is Andre Iguodala doesn't mean he's Andre Iguodala from five years ago. We have to be able to look at, like, what this player will do now, what to realistically expect from. And the Clippers' goal is to win a title this year or next year. I agree, Lucas, this is a two-year window. So, yeah. You put you, you, you put some of these chips onto the table and you go for it at the deadline. You you don't want to do anything stupid like Philly does, but you, you have to you have to take advantage of this window. Yeah. I think no, I think that's that's well put. I think this window is the Clippers are definitely going to go all in for the next two years, and I, I think that they should. I think it's the right choice. Um, all right, that is gonna Horny do, for Horford. That is gonna do it for this week's um, <laughs> this week's special trade deadline episode of the law of the jam podcast once again i'm lucas han i've been here with mike jaglin stay tuned for a normal episode of the law of the jam the podcast with your normal hosts robert and chap coming this weekend also stay tuned for 213 hoops coming very very soon we are finalizing the last few things to get ready for our launch we are getting contracts in from the contributors it's going to be great i'm really really excited to share it with you guys and of course mike and i will be back for one final 
trade deadline preview episode last week. The trade deadline is next Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern time. So we will probably have an episode for you on Wednesday. Maybe the Clippers will have made a deal by then. Maybe I, I'm certain whether they have or not, we will be flooded with rumors. So it's going to be a good well, time. We're looking forward to seeing you there. Lucas, Lucas, before uh, I let you go, isn't, isn't, I, I, I kind of compare now the trade deadline of the Clippers almost like Christmas Eve. You know, you know, they're, you know, they're going to do something. You just don't know. Like I'm just waiting point. to see what, what's so going to be under the tree. And you exactly. know, you're, you know what the toys are on the yeah. market this year, but it's, it could always be something that you didn't, that you haven't heard of. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I, and, and, and that's why like Wednesday night, like if we release on Wednesday, something's going to happen. Something, yeah. Something's going to happen. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you. Thanks for being here, Mike. Thank you guys all at home for listening and you'll hear from us next week. Bye.